time to like recover from Thanksgiving for those of you who had busy ones. That's kind of the true for us and our family. Believe it or not, I'm a pretty forgetful person. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things I remember well, pretty easily. I mean, as an aspiring academic, I kind of have to. I've got to hold a lot of book knowledge in my head. As a parent, I need to remember about our kids' schedules and the extracurriculars that they have to go to and when some special event is coming for this child or that child. I'm pretty good at remembering a lot of things, but there are other areas of my life that I seem to struggle. I didn't plan on it this morning, but today there was just another example of it. I couldn't find my wallet. Um, This is something that happens multiple times a week where it's the morning and I'm like, I need to go, I need to take the kids to school or something, and I don't know where my wallet is. It's supposed to always go in a certain spot, but I just keep forgetting to put it in that spot so when it's time to find it, it's not in that spot. You know, I'm really good with keys. I always know where the, I usually know where the keys are. I usually hang them right where they're supposed to go when I get into the house. But for some reason, my wallet, I mean, there was a period of time where I left my cell phone at our kids' martial arts studio like repeatedly, and I think I left it there like five different times and we'd get a call from like, hey, you left your phone again, and then I have to drive back to go get it. It's just something, you know, there are certain things that just get squeezed out of my memory because it's full with other things. You see, most of us have limited amount of space in our brains, right? There's only so much that we can fit in here. And so when we get interested in something else or our minds go somewhere else, sometimes other things just get squeezed out. Have you ever gotten so invested in something that you ended up losing interest in something else? I mean, this happens to us all the time, right? It happens to us when we were young, when we had toys and we got interested in this. I was at one point really interested in, like, um, Transformers. I was totally into Transformers. But then eventually, you know, something else came along, and I was really into G.I. Joes. That kind of shows you my age range. Um, and, you know, we love the G.I. Joe toys and the action figures and stuff like that. And so then, like, Transformers became a little bit less interesting because as you jump from thing to thing, our brain can only take so much. You can't be all about everything, right? And so we do that. Fantasy sports is one of those places that I just cannot go there because When I was in college, I got so into fantasy sports that I started losing interest in school. I mean, I was spending all day on the internet trying to make sure that I was making the right trades or assigning the right people to the right teams. I even played fantasy hockey. That shows you how far I had gone. Very few people play fantasy hockey. Okay, so you, we get interested in things, we get invested in things, and it fills our mind to the point that other things become less important. Our minds have limited capacity, and I think God knows that. This morning, we're going to continue our look in this theme called thanks and giving, about us living a life that is marked by gratitude and grace and generosity. And today, we're going to be reminded of the importance of recognizing the blessings that we have in our lives, the grace that we have received, because it is so easy to forget. We're going to begin our foray into the Bible 
by looking at words first spoken by Moses in Deuteronomy to his people, the Israelites. Now, before we read that, as you may know, the Israelites had become, over a period of time, slaves in Egypt. And they were beginning to live a very hard life. And things were difficult. There were promises given to their people, right? Through Abraham, there was a promise given to them. But now they were living in a very difficult circumstance. And then through a series of miraculous events, the Hebrew people, with Moses as their leader, left Egypt on a journey to the land that would eventually become Israel. Now, along the way, God spoke to Moses, telling him of laws and priorities which become the hallmarks of their community, which would be the guiding principles of their people. And through this long, arduous journey, they knew that somehow they can get through it because somehow things were going to get better. Eventually, they would arrive at what they called the promised land, the land promised to them by God that was supposed to be a wonderful, fruitful, plentiful land. And that's where we pick up in the story in Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning, I'm going to begin in verse 10. You can follow along in your Bibles or you can follow along on the screen. When you have eaten and are satisfied, when you've gotten to the promised land and you started eating food and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks are grown large and your silver and gold have increased, when your investments are in a steady place, when you've got your house, the fences look good, your lawn is well manicured, and all you have has multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget, you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery." He led you through the vast, dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of the hard rock. He gave you man or bread to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power, the strength of my hands has produced this wealth. I earned it. I went to school. I got a good job. I figured this out. I was able to earn a stable income for my family. I did it. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors. The warning was given to them. You know that you are going to forget Things could be better. But the problem is, our hearts just like to get comfortable, right? We like things to be peaceful and easy. Moses knew that the Israelites would eventually get comfortable. And you know how it goes. It's kind of like when you first learn how to drive. You know, our, our oldest is three years from driving age. It freaks me out. Okay? Those of you teenagers that are learning to drive, please know that it freaks out your parents. I mean, we appreciate that you'll be able to go off on your own, but man, it's scary, especially if you drove like we drove when we were teenagers. 
But when you first start learning how to drive, it's kind of scary. There's a lot of things going on. Cars are moving quickly. You forget about your blind spots. You know, you, keep, you don't know what to do. So you brake a little bit too hard. You press on the acceleration a little bit too much. Things are a little bit nerve-wracking when you first start. But over time, you get so used to it that you barely even notice you're doing it at all. And it's boring. It's not exciting at all. It's a chore to have to commute an hour. You know what I mean? It's terrible. We don't like to do it anymore. But it just becomes a part of life. If you became a Christian later in life, or if you had that moment, even though you were raised in the faith, where you finally kind of came into your own as like, you know what, I really want to follow Jesus. You might remember that around that time, there was an excitement and an energy in your life. There was an enthusiasm for the faith that you have embraced. But the longer you have journeyed, the more that sort of just fades away. We get comfortable. We get used to things. And such is how it was for the Israelites. And as it is for most of us, we prefer in many phases of our life to get comfortable and settle in. Now, this in and of itself, I don't think is a problem. Having comfort and security is a good thing. Safety and well-being is something that is important in our lives to help us thrive. That's good. But it's kind of like medicine, right? Medicine is good for us when we take it when we need it. But sometimes medicine has side effects, right? Medications have side effects. You know, side effects like headache, dizzy, nausea. I mean, you have that li list of when you look in those medical commercials, those pharmaceutical commercials, and then the list seems to like never end. Side effects may include all these things, including death. You're like, eh, I don't know about that. Um, side effects, side effects of getting comfortable and having security and safety is that we begin to forget. We have a limited amount of space in our mind. Our mind starts to prioritize other things, and we forget the Lord our God. We forget the blessings that we have received. We lose sight of gratefulness, and then our lives begin to reflect that reality. Now, in our society in particular, I think this bears itself out in one specific way is that we are so attached to stuff. Now, what do I mean by that? I like stuff. I mean, like toys, electronics, material goods. I happen to really like kitchen stuff. Like, I look at, like, uh, recently on a Black Friday sale on Amazon, there was a Shun uh, kitchen uh, chef's knife, and I was like, man, that's a really nice kitchen knife. You know, not really nice kitchen knife. I wish I could have that. And, you know, even... <laughs> Even this morning, I was looking at my phone because I got an alert that says, hey, lightning deals that you might like, right? And I'm like, oh, I wonder what kind of things they got for me. You know, we like stuff. We get invested in stuff. I like, I like beautiful-looking cutting boards, right? I know you might not be like me, but, you know, my boys, they like games. They like Nintendo Switch games, and I like that too. Uh, they like basketballs and have footballs and soccer balls, and they like having all these things. Our little one is really into her stuffed animals, and she likes the trains that she has inherited from her brothers. 
My father-in-law is into his tools and fixing things, and he's really into his motorcycle. Look, we're all into things. We're all into stuff. The problem is when we get comfortable and we have money and a comfortable life, our heart gets set more and more and more on stuff. And our society doesn't do us any favors. We're marketed to, like, unceasingly, right? You can't watch anything either without having ads, pop-up ads on your web pages. There's always something trying to be sold to us to convince us that we need this stuff. Now, I think that this is part of the danger that's implied here for the Israelites in Deuteronomy. Upon getting settled in, having security and wealth, their, he- their hearts and mind will become focused on this life, on what I have right in front of me, this world and its benefits. And to be sure, one needs to be present in this world. After all, it is possible to, be- possible to become so heavenly focused that you become no earthly good, right? where you start to just think so much about what's going to come, and then you start not being present here in this world. But for most of us, the temptation often is to be consumed by the present world rather than the way around. Even when we're living well, though, and doing well, and doing things that we're supposed to do, and present, representing God, it, we need to be people that prioritize that above the things of this world and allow our focus on the kingdom of God to influence how we live in the present world, right? Just like for the people of Israel, it's not so much that they couldn't enjoy the blessings and the provisions and the safety and security that they had been given. Rather, it is to understand where it comes from and to understand the context by which we thrive here on earth. And that context is within the context of God's kingdom. Prioritizing God, being conscious of God, rather than focused more solely on the things that are right in front of us, our stuff. This is an issue that I believe Jesus picks up on in the the gospel according to Matthew in chapter 6. We're going to read that here together. Jesus is speaking to a bunch of people, and he had finished talking to them about fasting, not wanting to bring attention to yourself, to receive praise from other people. And then he begins to say, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." The eye is the lamp of the whole body. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, and in this context, focused on the treasures on earth, your body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, everything that you see is focused on the wrong thing, then how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here Jesus touches on what is a very real issue that faced the Israelites in Moses' time 
and for us especially today. Our hearts like to get comfortable. Our hearts like stuff. It's so easy for our eyes to be fixed upon the goods, the things that we want, instead of fixing our eyes on the things that are important in the kingdom of God, like grace and gratitude, radical generosity towards others, humility, and a self-giving love. These are the things that are hallmarks of the kingdom of God that should influence the way we live our daily lives. Store up your treasures in heaven, Jesus says, referring to living in right relationship with God and with others, living humbly, elevating others, and serving wholeheartedly. You see, throughout the Gospels, Jesus repeatedly tells his listeners, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Stop worrying about your own advancement here. Serve, love, be my ambassadors. You will get your reward in heaven. That is the economy of the kingdom of God that is not so much concerned about material wealth and material comfort, but it's a matter of how we are connected with God and the grace that he has given us and then living that out in our present world. It's about how we invest in the kingdom here on earth. Jesus sets up a very clear binary in chapter 6. A binary meaning it's either this or this. Either your heart is set on money, stuff, and the things that money can buy or the things that you wish you had, or your heart is set on God. The word that's translated there at the end where he says you cannot serve both God and money is actually a personification uh, some translations of the Bible will call it mammon, which is a translation, a transliteral um, uh, form of that word. It's a personification. It is a deity figure. You cannot serve both God and mammon, money, or the love of money. There is a clear distinction to be made. It's either one or the other. As you think about yourself, we've passed through Thanksgiving, we're heading towards the Christmas holidays, a holiday filled with shopping and advertising and buying stuff, sometimes for others, sometimes for ourselves. Let's ask ourselves, where is our heart? Where are we focused when we think about how we're going to be spending our money? This holiday season? Is it fixed on the things of God? Or do you, like the hymn writer says, find yourself prone to wander, to stray and to become enamored by money or the things that money can buy? I'll be honest, I do sometimes scroll on my phone looking through Amazon wish lists. I like to add things to my Amazon wish lists. Like, hmm, I would really like this thing, or I'd really like this thing. And then sometimes Amazon will give me a little notice saying, hey, like something on your wish list is on sale. I get caught up in these things too. At the end of the day, having things, having stuff isn't the problem. The problem is where our heart is focused, right? Our hearts so easily stray. And so the encouragement for us today is to remember God, 
to focus on God, to allow our relationship with God and our investment in his kingdom to be what shapes everything else. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses warns the Israelites not to allow material comfort to help to let them lose sight and forget about God's active presence in their lives. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus cautions his followers not to allow desires for material things to rule the day, but instead to focus on God and God's purposes in the world. In both cases, in both Deuteronomy and Matthew, you could say that the hearts of the people of God should be tuned towards God in thanksgiving. Tuned towards God in thankfulness for the blessings we have received and in devotion to prioritizing God's kingdom above our own material kingdom. If I may, I'd like to offer a few suggestions or examples how you and I might live this out in our daily lives. Because if I just say to you, hey, we need to remember God and we leave this building, chances are you'll remember God until you get to the courtyard and get coffee, right? That's just how our mind works. We squeeze things out. So if I just say, hey, let's remember God together, it's going to sound great. We'll feel inspired for a moment, but that moment will pass. So I'd like to offer some very concrete suggestions, steps that you might be able to take. Maybe there's some other things that you can think of. We need practical tools, practical ways to help us remember, to maintain that spirit of thankfulness throughout the year. One of the suggestions that I have for you is you might want to build into your daily life the practice of saying daily prayers of thanksgiving. And by that, I don't mean at the end of the day before you go to bed saying, dear Lord, thank you for this day. Amen. Sometimes we get to this pattern of having generic thanks. Thanks for my life. Thanks for my many blessings. Even though, you know, even though you're saying you're thankful for the blessings, it's so generic that sometimes our heart never is really into it. We're not focused on it. What about instead if I say, God, thank you today for helping me not be angry when this happened. Something very specific. Thank you, God, today for for the fact that something that my child went through didn't become serious. Be specific. Be super specific. That helps you point to something that that happened during your day. It might be a helpful way for you to process your day and to process your day in the context of your relationship with God. It's a daily practice thing that takes no more than a few minutes before bed to lie down there and say, God, what am I thankful? What specific thing am I thankful for today? It's a practice. It's a habit. It's something that you can build into your life that helps you remember, that trains you, that tunes your heart to sing thy praise as come thou fount, the hymn says. Let's train ourselves in that way. That's one suggestion. Another possibility is to actively and regularly serve in church with a hearts all in sort of way. What do I mean by that? I mean, there are ways to serve in church which is pretty perfunctory, right? You can hand out, you know, bulletins or go serve in the children's stuff, but just like because you're filling in the hole, right? You're just kind of helping out. 
That's one way of serving in church. But there's a different way, right? What if you, every time you hand out a bulletin, you're praying, God, would you bless this person today? Right? Or let's say you're back there, over there in the, what we call the penalty box, and you're doing your thing, and most people don't notice unless you, do, you make a mistake, and that's just kind of part of the job. But to go into it with a spirit of prayer or a spirit of helping other people engage in worship, there's a different way for us to engage in ministering in the church that is an all-in sort of way. Our hearts are in ministry, in serving in a way that brings other people to God. Volunteering at church isn't just about filling in holes, filling the gap, getting the work of church done. No, serving in church is about us expressing our faithfulness to God, being all in so that other people can experience the blessings too. So find a way to be involved. Maybe adjust the way that we think about our own involvement or service in the church. That's another thing that we can do. Yet another is to become relationally connected with others, especially across socioeconomic lines. You see, one of the things that happens in a lot of suburban America is that we kind of quarantine ourselves into safe spaces and neighborhoods. That's just kind of how this sort of system works. And when we get comfortable and we just see the things that are around us with other people that have similar socioeconomic status as ourselves, we kind of get lost. We only see what's in front of us and we no longer recognize them as blessings because we forget. We lose sight of it. But being regularly engaged with people who have less than you. Not just go and serve like once a month or like once a year, because that's you just hopping in and then hopping out, right? Something that's formative is where there's a continual engagement that you can push yourself to always remember, not just for those couple of weeks around a service project, but to always remember to build in a spirit of remembering so that you know, God, thank you so much that I have food on the table and that you can feel that as a very real thankful prayer. When you are engaged with people who have less than you, whether it's being involved in serving with homeless ministries in the area or being involved in some other way, I don't know what that might look like for you, but this is one of those concrete ways that you can say, I'm going to go out there and get to know people and get to know people across socioeconomic lines so that I can be a blessing to others and so that I can be reminded of God. Now, these are just three very uh, brief examples. You may have other things that you think of, but I encourage you to think of them. Because remembering God, to fight against this sort of societal narrative that pushes us to get comfortable and safe and just relax and get lazier and lazier, right? All of our, most of our devices are, are intended to make, to make us do less, right? We are pushed in this sort of way. To go the other direction requires not just us thinking about it. We need to 
do something about it. I don't know what that looks like for you. There are many ways to be, stay conscious and engaged and aware of God and his many blessings. My main point is to do this. Please, find something specific to do. Make an action plan. Try it out. If it doesn't work, try another one. See how that impacts you this holiday season as you enter the crazy shopping time that is Christmas in America. During these months, the month ahead of us, let us remember God. Let us focus our hearts on God and allow our gratefulness to him influence what we do in this life and in our present world. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful um, that you have given us the resources, the financial resources, to put on a big Thanksgiving dinner. It feels sometimes like an embarrassment of wealth when I think of people that have not even a Thanksgiving feast, but barely anything to eat. Lord, I confess that I am, like a lot of Americans, so easily swayed by the desire for comfort and desire for stuff. Lord, would you form in me and form in us a heart that is tuned to you, tuned to your kingdom, tuned to your kingdom's purposes. And Lord, then would you use us as an outpouring of that sort of gratefulness to be a blessing and an ambassador to others so that others might experience your grace and love as well. In Christ's name.